Good morning. It's good to be in church today, right? Man, we have already had such an amazing time with the Lord, um, and I'm just, I just feel so blessed to be a part of a church that, that is so hungry for the Lord and is just going after uh, His voice in our life. And, um, you know, we've been in this series called Turn, Turnarounds in the first book, or in the, in the book of First Samuel. Um, and it's really been just an awesome opportunity for us to get a lot of application from this book. Pastor Jim has just uh, done such a great job. In a moment, we're going we're gonna to turn and look at King Saul and his life. And we're titling this Anatomy of Spiritual Decline. Now, I did not come up with this title. Pastor Jim, this was kind of his working title. He said, title it whatever you wanted. But I thought, it's good enough for him. It's good enough for me. So we'll just we'll go ahead with it, right? But I want to ask a question before we get into the Word. Would you say, is your life better or worse today than it was a year ago? Now think about it from more of a spiritual perspective. When you think of your life a year ago, would you say it's better today or worse today than it was a year ago? And and there's tons of life circumstances that may be happening around you right now, but just from a spiritual perspective, your relationship with your heavenly Father, would you say it's in a better place today or a worse place today than it was a year ago? Because I believe that it's God's will for us to look more and more like Jesus every single day. It's God's will for us to grow and grow every single day into the person that he's called us to be. And church, if we're not growing we're not fulfilling God's will for our lives. If we're not growing, we're not fulfilling God's will for our lives. And I know that's a harsh statement to think about, but that's God's will. It's God's will that we will grow every single day into the person that he wants us to become, to become more and more like Jesus every single day. So today we're going to look at what led to the decline of King Saul. You know, I was inspired by this message today, and not really because of the beginning of Saul's life, but, but when you start looking at the end of his life, and spoiler alert, it, it did not end well. He really kind of was a madman by the end of it all. And we're not going to get into all of his life. Pastor Jim will follow up with a few more things in the, in the coming weeks. But the one thing is you study Saul's life, you realize pretty quickly, even at the very beginning, that Saul had an unhealthy mindset. He had an unhealthy mindset of of himself and an unhealthy mindset of his relationship with him and himself and the Lord. And this was his mindset. I'm not good enough. That's what he said. Basically, I'm not good enough. I come from a small uh, family. I, I, I come from a small clan. I'm not good enough to become the thing that God has called me to do. Now, he ultimately does it, but he doesn't feel good. He's insecure, and so out of those insecurities, he leads. And because of this unhealthy mindset, ultimately, he just stops growing. He stops seeking the Lord, and he just stops growing. He gets so insecure, it leads completely out of those insecurities. He stops growing and ultimately leaves him outside of the will of God. And there may be some of us that have an unhealthy mindset today. And I believe that we're all one healthy mindset, one one unhealthy attitude in our lives from missing out on what God wants to do in our lives. 
And if we have that unhealthy mindset, we, we may stop growing. And if we stop growing, we, we miss out on what God wants. And this is not God's will for your life today. It is God's will that you would continue to grow. So we're going to take a look at Saul's life. And I got three insights for, for today that I think will help us out. Now, how many of you would say you're a decisive person? Like you can make decisions and you move forward. Hands up, yeah. Decisive people. I love decisive people because I am not one. I love you. I need you around me. Decisive people are great. The one kind of shadow side to being a decisive person, though, is you can become a little impatient. Would you agree? You can be a little impatient, especially when you're around somebody that isn't as decisive as you, like me. And when we're impatient, because we could all get impatient, we can sometimes miss the big picture. It's kind of like there's this usher. He's, at a, he, he's an usher at a theater. The show's getting ready to start in about 15 minutes. He's walking down the aisle, and about five rows back from the front, he sees this guy just kind of laid out. He's like taking up like five seats. And so he, he goes to the guy, and he says, hey, sir, the show's going to start. There's people that have paid for seats. You're going to have to get up so other people can, can sit down as well. The guy just kind of groans. And the usher, he's just annoyed. He's impatient. And he says, well, I'm going to get my manager if you can't get up. The guy just groans again. So he goes, he gets his manager. The manager comes over. They both kind of try to like physically move this guy. And he's, he's a big dude. They can't, they can't move him. So like, all right, we're, we're going to call the cops. So they call the cops. The cops come over. They start doing their cop thing, asking their questions and everything. And, and the guy's just groaning. And finally, the cops say to him, sir, where are you from? And with pain in his voice, he says, the balcony. Ouch. How'd that usher feel at that point? You see, sometimes when we're impatient, we miss the big picture. And this is really Samuel's, or sorry, sorry, Saul's issue is that he gets so impatient. And early on in his kingship, Samuel is giving him a list of instructions. Samuel's kind of the mouthpiece for the Lord to, to Saul. He gives him this list of instructions. And one of those instructions was to go to Gilgal, okay? And go to Gilgal, and you're going to wait seven days before you battle the Philistines. Okay, so Saul does this. He goes to Gilgal, and he's waiting. He's waiting, and he's waiting, he's waiting. The seventh day rolls around. No Samuel. Where is Samuel? So Saul's starting to get a little impatient. I need the Lord's favor before I can go and battle these Philistines, right? He's getting impatient. And finally, he just says, you know, get me the stuff. Because Samuel wanted him to wait so that he could perform the burnt offerings. Instead, Saul does the burnt offerings. And this is what happened. Right as he's finishing, here comes Samuel. And in chapter 13, 11, it says, Samuel says to Saul, what have you done? What have you done? It's like that feeling. Do you remember that feeling when you're, you're in the kitchen and you're eating that last brownie that your mom said, do not touch? And just as you're taking the last bite, she walks in. It's a horrible feeling. This is the feeling that Saul must have felt in this moment. And this is his reply. He says, when I saw that the men were scattering and that you did not come, he's kind of throwing it back on Samuel. It's your fault, Samuel. 
at the set time, and that the Philistines were assembling at Michmash, I thought, now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal, and I have not sought the Lord's favor. So I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering. You see, Saul gets nervous. He wanted to wait. He wanted to do the right thing and wait for Samuel, but he gets nervous and decides to do it on his own. Now, the burnt offering needed to happen, so this is a good thing. It needed to happen. The problem was it wasn't in God's time. You see, church, when we rush God's timing, it's not God's will, even if it's good. When we rush God's timing, it's not God's will, even if it's good. There are tons of good things that we can do in our lives. But if we haven't put our trust in the Lord's timing first, those good things turn into not so good things because it's not the Lord's will. You know, we want so badly to be successful, right? We want so badly to, 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 to be looked at as successful people. And, you know, there's all these definitions of success in our world. And a lot of it just comes down to more money, more things, more power. But I love this definition of success that Pete Scazzaro gives us. He says, becoming the person, this is the biblical definition of success, becoming the person God has called you to become and doing what God has called you to do in his way and in his timing. I have this written up in my office because it's such a powerful word. It reminds me every single day that, yeah, maybe I'm frustrated with where I'm at right now. Maybe I, I wish I was doing something else. But it's, it's God has me planted where I am today. God has you planted where he has you today for the time that he has you do it. So being in his will, success in God's eyes is becoming the person God has called you to become, doing what God has called you to do in his way and in his timing. Another way to look at this is like this. God's will equals his voice plus his timing. So yes, it is very, very important that we are in tune with the Lord's voice, but we can't get out ahead of the Lord. His timing is just as important. So what happens when our timing is off? Well, for Saul, it is certainly not good. Verse 13, Samuel continues. He says, you have done a foolish thing, You've not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. If you had, he would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time. But now your kingdom will not endure. This should scare us. This should scare us. Saul goes from anointed, chosen king over Israel to your king will not, your kingdom will not endure. Let's not miss out on what God has for our future because we couldn't trust his timing. The Lord has a plan for your life. You, you don't get to see it. You don't get to see it. But he's got a timing. and he's, 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 He wants things to happen in a certain order. And all we can do is just say, yes, God, we'll do that. When you rush God's timing, it's not God's will even if it's good. Now, how many people pleasers are in the room? Like, you love it when people like you and are happy with your decisions. There's more of you, I know. You just don't want to do it because you think somebody's going to get mad. 
Now, how many non-people pleasers are in the room? Yeah, like you don't care what people think of you at all. Man, it must be good to be you. God, it's so easy. God, it's so easy. Well, Saul, he is a people pleaser. And this has really become to kind of his second major screw up. And Samuel, he's going to give Saul some more instructions from the Lord. And I'm going to sort of summarize this for us. He says, Saul, the Amalekites did wrong to the Israelites, and the Lord wants them to be punished. So I need you to to go and attack them, kill them, kill everybody, slaughter their livestock, leave nothing of them. And I can imagine Samuel being like this. Hey, Saul, come, come here, come here. Hey, bro, you've already messed this up. Like, probably beyond repair, okay? But just in case, let's try to get this one right. This is easy. Destroy the Amalekites. Leave nothing of them. Just, 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 just do it. You can do this. Ready? Break. And Samuel walks up. He's like, Lord, help him. Oh, my God. Lord, help him. So this is what happens. Chapter 15, verses 7 through 9. Then Saul attacked the Amalekites all the way from Havilah to Shur, near the eastern border of Egypt. He took Agag, king of the Amalekites, alive. Not great. And all his people he totally destroyed with the sword. But Saul and the army spared Agag and the best of the sheep and cattle, the fat calves and lambs, everything that was good. These they were unwilling to destroy completely, but everything that was despised and weak, they totally destroyed. And don't you just want to take Saul by the shoulders at this point and be like, dude, you had it. You were like right there. How did you forget what Samuel said to you? It's kind of like the 49ers. They like totally didn't even know the overtime rules. Like, how do you not know? It's the biggest game of your life. It's for all of the marbles. Saul, this was for all of the marbles. How did you screw this up? I don't understand it. What happened? So God ultimately tells Samuel, I'm turning my back from Saul. And Samuel is ticked. He goes to Saul and reprimands him. And this is Saul's reply. Verse 24, he says, I have sinned. I have violated the Lord's command and your instructions. So at least he's admitting. But here comes the excuse. I was afraid of the men, and so I gave into them. Saul was more concerned with pleasing man than pleasing God. And you can't please man and God at the same time. This is a tough thing for us because we want to be seen as successful. We want to be seen and in, in well, in well liked, but we got to please God. Paul says in, the, in Galatians, he says, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. You see, this is a decision that we have to make daily. Are we going to please people or are we going to please God? Are we going to please the world? Are we going to please what the world says looks like success? Or are we going to please God and his will in our lives. And Paul says, I would not be a servant of Christ. 
Jesus is the ultimate example of what that even means, right? He came to, to, to earth and, and he served, right? And he served. But I think sometimes we get it a little bit twisted that he, he didn't come to serve our selfish ambitions. He didn't come to serve the things that we think are important and the things that we think that we need. He came to serve the will of God. He came to serve the will of his heavenly Father, which was to redeem you and to redeem me from suffering and sin forever by sacrificing himself on the cross as your substitute. This is what it means to please God. So how do we do this? You may say, I want to please God. This is what I want to do. How do I do this? Well, in Hebrews 11, verse 6, it gives us a really great answer. It says, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So two things. Number one, we have to have faith. And what is faith? It's believing that God is everything that he says that he is. And it's also believing that you are everything that God says that you are. And number two, we must seek him earnestly. Seek him earnestly. That, that's getting back to those spiritual disciplines. And these aren't rules and laws. This is, this is a relationship that we're trying to, to have with the Lord, that he wants to have with us. So we must, we must read our Bible every single day to seek him earnestly. We, we must spend time with him in his presence so that he can speak to us what he wants. My final point today is this. God calls you to follow his commands fully, not selectively. And I have to ask my, myself this question a lot. What am I holding back from God? What is it that I allow God to have? Because there are some things that I'm, I'm pretty free with. But what are the things that I'm, I'm, I'm kind of tight clinched with? I, I don't want God to have. I to, don't totally trust him with those things. Maybe you have some of those things in your life as well. Or you just, you, you just don't, don't know that you can give him all of that. See, this was a big problem for Saul. Because Saul, he's faithful up to a point, right? He's faithful in waiting seven days for Samuel. He's faithful in that. He's faithful in, in attacking the Amalekites. He, he does that, but then, but then there just becomes a point. And there's this line where he, he toes this line, and he says, I can't quite cross that line. And that line is the difference between our will and God's will. And he can't quite seem to get across that line. See, we're not called to do what feels right to us. We're called to obedience. Samuel says to, to Saul in verse 22, he's, he says, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice. See, we're not called to do the things that feel good. We're not called to do even the things that, that seem right. We're called to do obedience. We are called to obedience, period. And I know this is hard for us because what does that mean? Does that mean that when I'm obedient that I'm going to get what I want? 
I'm sorry to say, but at the end of obedience isn't a pot of gold. Do you know what at the end of obedience is? It's more of him. That's it. That's all that this is about. It's about our relationship with him. So at the end of obedience is more of him. We're coming up on Easter, and Pastor Carter kind of gave us a little bit about that week. And I love the way we do Easter here because we really take it all in that week. And we'll walk through Jesus' last days here on earth. But in that time, Jesus goes to the garden. And by himself, here in Matthew 26, verse 39, he says, My father... If it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. And he says this two more times to his father. May this cup be taken from me. And it's like him saying, God, if there is any other way, if there's anything else that I can do to save these people that isn't this, that isn't me suffering, please let me know. But then he says, yet not as I will, but as you will. Not as I will, Lord, but as you will. You see, Jesus had the free will, just like us, just like Saul, to toe that line, right? To do all the healings and the miracles and all the teaching and preaching, all the amazing things that he did throughout his ministry. But he still could have stopped short, but not as I will, as you will. That was his posture, and that must be our posture as Christians today as well. Because God calls us to follow his commands fully, not selectively. That means we don't toe the line. That means we go across the line, and we continue to cross that line every single day that that says, not my will, Lord, but yours. I'd like to ask the worship team to come on up. Don't you love and appreciate our worship community? Yes. Yeah. I love them not only because they're incredibly talented, which they absolutely are, um, but also because they they sacrifice their time and their energy to, to bring us into the presence of the Lord. And they do such a fantastic job of that. But you know, you notice when I asked them to come up, they they just came up, right? And I appreciate that. Thank you, guys. But why was that so easy? It's easy because, you know, we had a plan for today, surprisingly to some. We had a plan. Josh and I knew what, what was going to happen today. I mean, this is kind of usually how we run service each Sunday. We, we, we end with a couple of worship songs. We had a plan, so it was easy for them to do that. What if I would have thrown them a curveball and said, you know, come on up at the beginning of my message? At the very least, they probably would have hesitated, right? I know I would have. But here's the thing. As humans, we are so much more comfortable with a plan. It's a well-known fact that if you want someone to do something, you need to give them the why before the what. We talked about this. Pastor Greg actually preached my message in devotions and staff this week. Thank you, Greg. I'm going to steal some stuff, man. But we are so much more comfortable with a plan. We need to know why. You tell me why, and I agree with that why, then I might go ahead and do the thing you're asking me to do. 
But here's the thing. God doesn't work that way. God doesn't generally give us the why. He'll give you the what in the time that you need to know the what. But he doesn't always give us the why. And I love this this verse in 1 Corinthians 13, 12. It says this. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. What does that mean? For now we see in a mirror dimly. That means I can't see what God's put out in front of me. I don't know his plans for me. I don't know his plans for my family. We don't know his plans for our church and for our community and this world. We don't know those things. All we know is, is what? Now, Jesus is going to come back one day, and we're going, to, we're going to get it all. We're going to totally understand the reasons for everything. Now I know in part. What's that part? It's the what. God, he's willing to tell you what to do. He wants to tell you what to do. If you seek his face, he wants to tell you this. Then I shall know fully. It's kind of like this. Sometimes God is going to say, Anthony, I need you to take a step forward. And I'm closing my eyes because we don't know what's ahead, right? So I'm going to take a step forward. Anthony, take one more step forward. Anthony, take one more small step forward. Okay. Promise I won't fall off the stage. Lord, Anthony, I want you to stay there now for a moment. Okay, God. I've done what you said. I'm, I'm here. Lord, is there something you'd like me to do next? I'm kind of getting a little bit nervous here. Lord, I haven't heard from you in a little bit. I'm kind of doing my thing, but I, I, I kind of start starting to feel like I need to move forward. I, there's something else that, that I need to do. I, I just know it. I'm, I'm starting to get a little worried. My career isn't quite taken off how I want it to. I, I, I'm going to go ahead and take a step, Lord. And then we fall like Saul. Or how about this? Anthony, I want you to take a, a step to the left because there's some things over there that I, that I want to teach you and there's some things over there that, that you can do for me. So I, I want you to take a left. Well, Lord, yeah, that, that sounds good. And usually I can trust you, Lord, but you know, I've been talking to some of my friends and they say there's a really great opportunity over here to the right. And it's, it's really going it's gonna to let my career take off. I'm going to be able to take care of my family better. My finances are going to be way better. So that's what I'm going to do, Lord. I'm going to take, take a right. And then we fall. Or how about this? Lord says, Anthony, take five steps forward. Okay, Lord. One, two, three, four. God, this has been... A long journey. I don't know. I haven't seen a lot of fruit from the things that you've been asking me to do. I've taken four steps. I'm really tired. I don't really trust God that that, that fifth step is really going to bring any more than what, what hasn't come for me yet. I haven't seen the fruit, so I, Lord, I just don't think that I can do it. I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back off. You see, we don't see what the Lord sees. 
And we're not meant to today. And that, that's, that's a beautiful thing because we can just put our trust completely in him. It actually takes an amazing weight off of our shoulders when we just say, yes, Lord, I will trust you. We don't see as God sees. And I love this verse, and I love the last verse, if we can put the First Corinthians verse up there one more time. Because yes, God knows what's ahead. And he has a plan for your life. He knows exactly what you need. But why? Why does he know? Because even as I have been fully known, he fully knows you. He fully knows you. He knows everywhere you've been. He knows exactly how you've sinned in your life. He knows all the great things that you've done in your life. He knows everything that's going to come up. And this is how we have to view this because he knows us fully. He loves us fully. He fully has a plan for each and every single one of you in this room right now and watching online as well. And there may be some people in the room today that have never known this truth. And I've been praying for you this week. Because I think today can be your moment. I think today can be your turnaround where you say, enough with the world. And Lord, I'm going to look to what you have for me. Because God fully knows you. Whether you know that or not, God fully knows you. He fully loves you and has a full plan ahead for your life. And maybe you're somebody here that, that you used to know that truth. And you've kind of walked away a little bit. Or you're starting to have some doubts. You, don't just, you just don't really totally think that he knows you and he, he knows what's best for you. I've been praying for you. Today would be your turnaround moment that says, no, I remember, God, what you've done for me in my life. I remember the ways that you have come through, even when I didn't think it could happen in the impossible situations. We all can look back and see God's hand in our life. And then I want to talk to, I think, a bunch of us in, our, in this room, and I, I would put myself in this boat. The ones that were pretty faithful, we're faithful with quite a bit, but there's some things in our lives that we're just, we're not going to go all the way. We're going to go 90%. But God, that last 10%, that is just, that is too hard. I've been praying for us this week, that today would be our turnaround moment. We would fully step over that line, that line between my will and God's will, and give it all to him, completely surrendered and obedient to him.